Hey there, it's Susan Pierce Thompson and welcome to the weekly vlog. I'm coming to you today feeling quite vulnerable and tender <clears throat> and already with a little frog in my throat, excuse me. <sighs> yeah, if you're someone who really wants me to be succinct and share a super targeted tip related to Brightline eating and then end the vlog, this vlog isn't for you. I wouldn't even listen. Uh, this is going to be one of those long, pretty vulnerable, pretty personal vlogs that at the end ties back to you and your Brightline eating journey. There is definitely a Brightline eating point here, but um, first I'm going to share all kinds of personal stuff. So if you hate that, <laughs> this is your fair warning. You are at choice whether to listen. Okay, so I'm just home from a season of travel. It's just been uh, several months where people take vacations and take trips and I'm just back now. And if you're someone who follows along closely with the weekly vlog and the Bright Line Eating movement, you might be aware that there's a feeling of unsettledness in the air, in particular maybe related to like how I'm doing and uh, like I haven't been doing well in general. Uh, the part of me that thinks maybe you've been doing great and this is all exactly the way it's supposed to be just, just piped up. So not doing well as a judgment. Um, I will say I've been super emotional and needing to back away from uh, being Susan Pierce Thompson in the way that I have before. I've been needing to really isolate myself a lot and spend a lot of introverted time, which is not typical for me. I'm an extrovert and I have never in my life that I'm aware of or that I remember needed so much copious amounts of introverted reflective time. And my sense is that a lot of this has to do with bright line eating and has to do with the future of bright line eating and that it's ultimately really, really good that um, in the incubation phase of this uh, isolation and reflection, things are going to get born for the benefit of bright line eating and the people that ultimately this movement is looking to serve um, that are going to be really, really good and that this period of shift or transition um, is going to lay the foundation for a whole new phase of bright line eating effectiveness and service and um, yeah, just a whole new phase of it. But right now it feels really painful and that's often the way, right? The transition points or periods of time, they are often painful. And I think a lot of that is that doing different um, requires bringing a whole bunch of habits, basically, previously ingrained behaviors, attitudes, beliefs, and approaches offline, thereby losing all of the non-conscious automaticity that produced that way of reacting or responding or behaving in the past, and trying to um, do different, which is not familiar, and is uncomfortable 
and requires conscious forethought. It's exactly what it feels like to start doing bright line eating. Like you take a whole life system of non-conscious eating, reacting to certain food cues, non-consciously just, you know, suddenly your things are in your mouth, you're eating at times in ways, in circumstances, in places that bright line eating requires that you stop doing, examine, take offline, and then put all these new behaviors of shopping and chopping and chewing online until they become automatic. And there's this like extreme load that happens during that process. And it's hard and it's unfamiliar and it's very unsettling. And I'm going through that right now in this whole other domain and the domain of like, how do I show up as Susan Pierce Thompson? I put quotes around Susan Pierce Thompson because if you know me well, you know that for a while now, I have separated myself from the persona of Susan Pierce Thompson. Um, I'm Susan and I'm a human being and I exist with a husband and kids and a whole life that's separate from this role that I play sometimes. Um, and I'm pretty congruent, so often Susan Pierce Thompson <laughs> looks and sounds exactly like Susan, so much so that people when they meet me are like, oh my gosh, you look exactly like yourself. You sound exactly like yourself. You are exactly like yourself, which is such a funny comment. But um, there are ways in which they're really separate. And um, yeah, anyway, so I'm reconsidering how I show up as Susan Pierce Thompson. And um, it doesn't feel like a choice that I've made. It feels like this reconsidering has been foisted upon me. And it started at the family reunion. And since then, I have been really different, like something really shifted. I personally expect that I might look back on this and call it something like the great shift of 2019 or something like super deep, heavy, seismic foundational shift. I've shot two vlogs so far that relate to this. Uh, there's many, many layers to it. It's nuanced. It's uh, multi-dimensional, but those vlogs are um, invited versus included and suddenly willing. If you kind of want to get what you can get out of the vlog to orient yourself to what I'm talking about. But now this is the third vlog that I'm going to shoot that relates to this shift that I'm going through. If you're paying attention, if you're a bright lifer, if you watch the vlog every week, if whatever, if you've been sensing that something's in the air or some, something's up, you're right. And the main way it might manifest to you is that I've been mostly absent. Like I've been, I took one vlog off, the rest I've done, but um, there's a way, especially to people who are um, really engaged in our community, that, that you would notice that I'm not around, that I'm really taking time off in a way that I never have before. I'm getting messages from people. I Messages come in and uh, in general, people are really supportive. They're saying things like, thank goodness you're taking time for yourself. Um, I've tried to slow down and take time for myself in the past. I remember a couple years ago, I shot a vlog called Slowing Down. That was sort of in the wake of the book launch and the book release of the, the, the first book, Bright Line Eating. Uh, oof, that slammed me in. I tried to slow down after that, but it it was a trying to slow down. It was a thing I was attempting to do. This does not feel like a thing I'm attempting to do. This feels like 
um, the, the part of me that naturally was there to show up as Susan Pierce Thompson every single day for the last five years, she's just been removed. Like I, I no longer have when I wake up every morning, the cup that overfloweth with energy and life force to tend to this movement, to do my part, to do whatever it takes that, um, I never really created that, that from my perspective, it felt like it was just given to me. Like, and people would say, how, how do you do it? You have three kids and you have, you know, how, how do you juggle everything you juggle? And my response was, I don't know. All I know is that it feels to me like every day when I wake up, the predominant thing is that the motivation to grow and tend to and serve the bright line eating movement is the dominant force of my reality. Like it's all I really want to do. It's what comes first in my mind and my psyche. It almost feels like I can't not do it. Like it just, that's what I'm thinking about. That's what I'm executing, whether I notice it or not. I'm not really trying. It just happens. And um, suddenly that's not there anymore, which is weird. Um, that's just my experience. And again, my sense isn't that that means Bright Line Eating is just going to wither because I'm not paying attention to it anymore. To the contrary, my sense, to the extent that I possibly could know this kind of thing, but, but my impression is that rather what's happening now is that the way I serve Bright Line Eating of necessity needs to change. And that by distancing myself, being introverted and going offline for a bit, I am actually doing what needs to be done to serve the movement because perspectives are going to change inside me that will lead to the better serving of the Bright Line Eating movement in the future. Okay, <laughs> all that was preamble. What's the point? Okay. I need to start with a story. I just got back from a retreat uh, where I was a speaker. I've spoken at this retreat for the last four years. Um, it's a beautiful setting. It's at Hot Springs. Um, and that's why I went. Um, I've been canceling a lot of trips lately, but I love this venue. I love the people who put it on. And I went with the anticipation of a lot of nourishment because hot springs are super deeply rejuvenative. And I, I kind of called ahead to the people putting this on and I said, hey, I'm going through a weird time. I'm super introverted right now. I need lots of time for meditation, prayer, journaling, staring at the wall, introspection. So would you please consult amongst yourselves and let me know the minimum number of sessions I need to show up for other than the ones I'm presenting, obviously. And they did. And they said, thank you for your candor. If you just show up to the opening session and then the ones you present, you can be on your own for the rest, soaking, doing whatever you need to do to take care of yourself. So I said, thank you so much. Um, so I went. Opening session went great. The next day was a day off for me because I wasn't presenting at all. I soaked. I took care of myself. I stared at the wall. I was getting up at 3.30 in the morning, 
which isn't that weird because that was on the west coast and my body obviously was still on east coast time it was 6 30 in the morning to my body but you know a day is long when you're up at 3 30 in the morning it was beautiful i woke up and i went to a very hot very like silent pool like it's a silence please little sign when you walk up to it outdoor uh hot springs so which is basically like a hole in the ground with stones and just water literally bubbling up hot out of the ground and um it was 3 30 in the morning so i was staring at stars and a little old waning crescent moon mountains a big meadow so beautiful and then the day would start and it was a long day because I'd been up since 3.30 in the morning. The next day I gave my presentations and it was hours and hours of presentations. I gave three different two-hour-ish, hour and a half to two-hour presentations. And um, it was fine. I got feedback that actually it was the best I've ever done at this retreat. I felt really good about it. I emerged fine. And then... What happened after that was hard for me. Um, there were a lot of bright line eating people there, um, in part because we sent an email out to our list about this event, which we'd never done before. So a lot of people from our community decided to sign up for it, as one would expect. And, um, and there were other people who didn't know about bright line eating, and lots of people had questions, had stories to tell me, had medical things they wanted to share with me and then get my take wanted books signed, wanted pictures with me. And we were in a very intimate setting. There was no backstage. There was no um, separate restroom for me to use. I mean, I'm just sharing, like at, at the family reunion, I have several handlers, like one paid professional handler. That's his entire job is to like escort me from point A to point B. Um, team members weigh my food for me and bring it backstage so I can eat. Um, there's a separate bathroom that's cordoned off for me to use. Um, there's a lot of sort of structural things in the environment that are set up so that if I want or need some space or to regroup or to get my thoughts together before I go on stage again, I can. And in this setting, there was none of that. And um, there were dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of people who uh, wanted or needed something for me who had questions and there was nobody around me to help. So I didn't even notice that at first. Um, what happened though was after my day of presentations ended, again, three roughly two hour, hour and a half, two hour presentations, um, I fielded questions all evening, dinner, and then after dinner, went to bed early woke up the next morning at 3.30 in the morning after soaking, was in the lodge at 5 a.m. reading a book. And then people started coming up to me, 5.03 a.m., 5.08 a.m., 5.14 a.m., whatever, on and on and on, coming up to me with, you know, like, whew, rushing right up to me, getting really close, saying, hey, I have a question for you. Hey, uh, I wanted to share about this. Um, have you ever heard of so-and-so? Like, you should really know about them. Hey, would you be willing to sign my book? And I was, yes, 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 super fine with it. And um, by 8.30 a.m., which was like midway through the breakfast hour, I got topped up. Like, like I, I noticed inside, I'm, I'm done. Like, I can't, I don't feel like I can 
um, field the energy that's coming at me anymore. And I started to get worried about that because we hadn't even gone into the morning session yet. And um, I just sort of felt done being Susan Pierce Thompson. There was one person on my team at the event, Sonia Waters, and I asked her, Sonia, would you be my handler for a little bit? Like, I, I feel, I feel done. I can't, I, I can't field any more requests, needs, whatever. And I, I felt at that point something had turned. So I felt so emotional about it that I didn't even feel, I felt too vulnerable to even say to someone, I'm sorry, not right now. Um, so I asked her to do that job for me. She was like, oh, of course. And at that point, the dining area was pretty empty. And um, right after I asked her, someone started walking toward me fast. And she stood in front of me like cowboy stance, like feet, feet wide, shoulders square. She put up a stop sign hand and she, she said, it's really not a good time right now. And the person rushed right around her and said, no, I'm leaving early. I just need to ask her a quick question and came right up into my face and started talking with the question. And I watched it happen. Sonia watched it happen. And that interaction felt, um, it felt non-consensual. Like I didn't have, there was no opportunity for me to say no in their approach. And I don't remember what they asked. I don't remember who it was. And um, I did whatever it took to make that be done and they left. And um, then it happened again. Someone beelined right over. Sonia said, she needs some privacy right now. And the person walked right around and said, no, 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 I just need to, and came right up to me. And um, at that point, I just felt like, like just so shattered inside. I can't even tell you. And so they went away. And then Sonia looked at me and she's like, I don't know what to do, Susan. How do I, I feel like I'm doing my best to be your handler, what do I do? And I said, I don't know, Sonia, I don't know. Um, you know, at the family reunion, the guy that we hire to be my handler is super tall and he's male and he wears sunglasses because he has a, a brain condition that requires that he wears sunglasses all the time. And he looks really imposing, I think. And, and there's two other people there all the time as well, uh, helping to handle. And, um, and again, there's structural things in the environment, like a backstage area and stuff like that, a green room, you know, that, um, that helps. So I told her, honestly, I said, I don't know, Sonia, I watched you. It looked like you did as best as could be done in that circumstance. And, um, so it, it, it went on. I ended up talking to the facilitator of the event and just saying, I don't think I can show up this morning to the event. And they said, please take your leave. It's fine. I went to my cabin. I sobbed and slept through the morning. And then I was in a weird position where I didn't feel safe to go out and get lunch because um, I didn't feel constitutionally able to field not one more request for anything. I just didn't feel up to it. And there's no Wi-Fi and no cell phone reception at this place, like legit none. It's really in the middle of nowhere. And so I couldn't text Sonia and say, could you bring me lunch? So I was kind of stuck. It was a weird feeling. And... Um, so that's what happened. That night I, I had left, that was the last day of the event. And that night I had a Brightliners gathering of people from all over the region. This had been planned for months 
who were there to meet me and eat dinner. And there were 50 people in a house for me to go be with. And I've done this all the time. When I travel, I often do this. Like, hey, Susan Pierce Thompson is going to be in town. Let's meet up. So I did something I have never, ever done before, which is I uh, had someone call ahead and say, she can't really interact the way she normally does. She's not going to be taking any selfies with you. She's not going to be signing any books. She'll do one group picture, but it's going to be in and out. It's going to be brief and she's not really doing well. So please be respectful and give her space. I've never done that before. And um, just shout out to the beloved Bright Lifers and Brightliners who are there because, um, oh my gosh, you are so, so dear. Uh, like I, I walked into that house. It was really funny because people pretended I wasn't there. Like I sat at a table almost alone and ate my dinner. People would walk by, see that I was there, give a little, and then keep walking. And there were 50 people there and I didn't hug or make eye contact, let alone sign a book for almost all of them. I didn't sign a single book there. Didn't take a single selfie. We took one big group picture. I think in total, the group had lost 3,000 pounds, which is amazing. And I think there were 57 people there. So thank you. Um, and I'm sorry that I wasn't able to show up as the usual Susan Pierce Thompson there. And you know, to, to anyone who's watching this, who was a, at the, at the event that I just led, the one where I got so broken down, um, I'm really trusting you to hold everything I just shared as my perspective, right? Like, I don't know if you approached me at some point with a question or a need, or we took a selfie together. I don't know whether that particular interaction felt fine for me or felt injurious to me. And, um, like it was okay until it wasn't. And I think I learned a big thing in all this. Well, I'm about to get to the meta lessons, right? But um, in particular, as an extrovert, I have always thought of celebrities as um, if I hear stories about them being kind to little kids or to people who ask for autographs or whatever, and them giving of their time, my assumption of them, my judgment is, oh, they're one of the good celebrities. They haven't let their fame go to their head. And they're still willing to be a real person and interact with real people. And if I hear a story about a celebrity who's standoffish and says, no, I won't autograph your thing or take a picture with you, or please, I'm trying to eat dinner with my family or whatever, my judgment has always been, oh, too bad that they've let their fame go to their head and they're not um, willing to be kind to real people, basically. And um, I've spent five years so far up till now um, being somewhat famous to this tiny, 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 tiny slice of human beings in the world. And up till now, I've been an unqualified yes to everyone's requests for anything, really. I don't remember ever reaching a no point, a point where I uh, was not willing or not able or not in a place where I was uh, 
available to sign a book, take a picture, whatever. But my awareness of that whole sort of dynamic of celebrities and the people who want stuff from them, who make requests, uh, boy, it really shifted over the last few days because now I sort of realize, well, it's not, it's not one request. It might be the 50th request or the 100th request. And, um, and the question of like that person getting to be a human and, and um, have their needs or their boundaries, right, or their whatever, um, their humanity. I, I was reflecting afterwards about the energy. I think it was an, I'm, a, I'm super energetic and it was an energy thing. It was like the rush of like, oh, please, could you, and the energy coming at me. I was thinking, when would anyone ever approach anyone with that kind of energy in the real world, like without this sort of celebrity dynamic in the mix? And I was thinking the only time would really be like if your spouse or your roommate left in the morning without their purse or their wallet or they left on a trip without their passport and they were pulling out of the driveway, you would rush out with it and rush up to them and say, oh, you forgot your passport. Oh, you forgot your purse. Oh, you forgot your wallet. Knowing that they needed it, that they cared and, and that it was urgent. Um, and you would approach them without the possibility of a no, like a consensual, you're, you're making a request for a connection with them. You would approach them without leaving space for their no, like, I don't want to interact with you right now. That's really the only time I can think of that that kind of intense approach would ever exist in our social world in any other circumstance. Um, yeah, the next day after, after all the people from our workshop had left, I was in the lodge getting lunch as a real person. Nobody saw me as Susan Pierce Thompson. Nobody saw me as anything. And it gave me an opportunity to notice all the cues that exist between strangers that license an interaction. There's first a little eye contact, then there might be some chit chat. And there's a lot of social back and forth signaling between strangers before any legitimate conversation or certainly a request comes into the mix. If someone was with their plate and trying to sit down at a big round table where there was someone already sitting and they had the request, could I sit here? They would make the request with such body language leaning away to invite the no like is it okay if i sit here but they would ask in a way that it was like your yes and your no are equally welcome and of course i so often interact with people who are strangers to me and i don't feel like a stranger to them and there's some urgency because like this is maybe the only time they feel like they're ever gonna be meeting Susan Pierce Thompson. And um, I've had the feeling for a long time that when people interact with me in that way, they're interacting with not, not me, but a schema they have in their head about me. Like um, they have created a construct in their own mind and that whatever interaction we're about to have is not actually with me as a human being. It's with the Susan Pierce Thompson that they have in their mind. And our interaction is going to become one more episode in their ongoing narrative construct 
of their relationship with Susan Pierce Thompson in their mind. And it's a very weird feeling to feel like I'm kind of simultaneously a person, Susan, a human being, and also some sort of hologram of myself or some sort of construct of myself that they're interacting with that's actually not me. I don't know if that makes sense. Anyway. So um, the net net of this was that I felt deeply shattered inside and I sobbed a lot and I still feel kind of tender. Um, and as I always do when I'm in any kind of pain, I start looking for the lesson. That's maybe like just basic 101. Pain is an opportunity, always, always and always and always. So I started looking for the lesson and that's what I am here to shoot this vlog about because at a meta level, the lesson in this reminded me of one of the lessons from the family reunion and the rap that I did. Backtrack to the family reunion and the rap. I've rapped for four years at the family reunion. I doubt I will ever do it again. Um, I'm talking about like karaoke lip sync, like rap, not lip sync, like me actually saying the words, but rap, you know, but like it's a genre of music that I have loved my whole life. And um, one of the things that dawned on me after all that exploded was um, why was I doing that anyway? Why was I rapping? Like I'd been on stage, you know, for, for the family reunion, I'm on stage for four days. It is the Susan Pierce Thompson show on steroids. Why did I feel the need to make that slice of the dance again about me? Wouldn't it have been better for the attendees to do like a talent show and put their talents up on stage? I don't even have that much talent in rapping. Like, it's just something I like. It's not something I'm even that good at. So, so what dawned on me was that that was an example of me indiscriminately applying a principle or a narrative or a belief. Okay, here we go. We're at the meat of the vlog. You ready? This is the point. Here we go. This is the point. One of the big lessons I've been faced with these past months that I've been in this weird transition, introverted, insular place is realizing how indiscriminately I have been applying certain of my beliefs. One of them is I'm Susan Pierce Thompson and I share with the world in, an, in a particularly vulnerable, authentic, honest, brave, courageous kind of way, raw. And they get, people get a lot out of that and that's really important because not a lot of people do that. And I'm painting with that brush indiscriminately which means I'm licensing any time I feel like showing up in the world in a particular way, I'm doing it indiscriminately, which means I'm just as likely to license showing up on camera in a vlog 
about Brightline living to people who choose to watch and being edgy and vulnerable and authentic and courageous here as I am to license dropping an F-bomb when I'm visiting the Queen of England. And like, you know, because I'm telling some story, I've bowed down, I've paid my respects, now I'm telling her some story and I'm being colorful about it, sharing it the way I want to, and for no reason at all, using foul language. And I started to think that part of the lesson, now there were many lessons in that, I have shot vlogs about that prior, but one of the lessons in that rap coming down the way it did was a reality check of Susan, if you're gonna be an ambassador of this movement, it is time to be way more nuanced and discerning and discriminating and context specific beforehand. Like as you're speaking, before you start to speak, checking, like my mother always used to share this little ditty with me. If wisdom's ways you wisely seek, five things observe with care of whom you speak, to whom you speak, and when, and how, and where. And she saw the need for me to learn that when I was probably five years old. And um, now I'm 45 and I'm finally learning the lesson. Thank you, Mo. Um, The analogous lesson is in everything I just shared with you about this experience at this retreat center is up until now, being Susan Pierce Thompson, I have indiscriminately been a yes for anything Brightline Eating asked of me. Videos need to be shot, yes. Emails need to be reviewed, yes. Uh, courses need to be created, yes. You need a selfie, yes. You want me to sign your book, yes. You have a question for me? Yes. You have a story to tell me? Yes. Um, there's a gathering of people who want me to show up and meet them and love on them and be present for them? Yes. If you haven't been to the family reunion, you might not know this, but I meet every person individually. I have been a yes. My team for a long time has been like, why are you doing that? That's a lot. Are you sure that's the right thing to do? No, I'm like, yes, yes. People come to meet me. Okay, there's a self-important, grandiose claim, I recognize. But, you know, people come and they want to meet me. And so I will spend time with each person individually, hours upon hours upon hours upon hours upon hours upon hours of one-on-one -on -one meetings with a line out the door, meeting each person, giving them presence and love and signing books and taking pictures. And um, during those meet and greets, People would often say like, this must be so exhausting for you. I'm so sorry. And I would honestly say, no, it's my favorite part. It's my favorite part of this whole family reunion. And it was. Um, up until just now, that was how it landed on my system. Like it never dawned on me that I might not be a no or that I might, that I might be a no or that it might be nuanced, context specific, that I might need to be discerning. How well resourced do I feel? How's my nervous system doing right now? How many people are there? What else am I obligated to show up for during that span of time? Is there a way for me to legitimately sort of shut it down and escape if I reach a saturation point and I feel like I can't face it anymore? 
in other words, something in me over the last week shifted from an indiscriminate across the board yes to Brightline Eating and to the requests of anyone in Brightline Eating to a nuanced, context-specific, maybe yes, maybe no, depends. Nuance is my favorite word of 2019. It comes up all the time uh, for me lately. It's all so nuanced. And I still love you a lot. <laughs> and there's just some sort of massive ego restructuring happening inside me. Um, one of the things that happened after the family reunion and after the wrap is uh, the, the ego shattering in me was so thorough that um, I realized I had become willing to step onto the pedestal that people had built for me. It's just easier that way. They have me up on that pedestal. Okay, I'll stand on that pedestal and, you know, bow and talk to the message. Yeah, no, that creeps me out now. I'm not standing on that pedestal. I refuse. And um, there might be people who project me up there holographically or whatever. That's that's on their side of the street. That's their choice. I'm not, I'm not standing on that pedestal. Uh, I need to be a human being. And... Um, A lot of this is about boundaries, right? It's about boundaries that protect myself, boundaries that protect other people, boundaries that protect the integrity of this movement as not being about a person. Um, it's so important that Brightline Eating not be about me, that it survive me when I die, that there be leaders in Brightline Eating other than me so that um, people from every demographic, from all over the world, from every social, social identity, um, marginalized and privileged, um, have leaders in the community that they can relate to, that they can look up to, that they can learn from, and so that I can live a life, so that I can raise my kids and take care of myself and have space in my days. And this major shift happened over the last few months. Like I no longer have my cup overfloweth with overflowing with the, um, the life force, the motivation to do this work. So it's, it's largely on pause. Like I'm, I'm still showing up where needed so that we don't have to shut down the movement. But thank goodness, we have a very strong, large, well, 33 people, large, whatever, small to Microsoft, large to us, <laughs> um, this, this team of 33 people who can do the work of Brightline Eating without me. Like I can, I can, in most circumstances, step all the way back and it's okay. Um, 
So for you and your Bright Line Eating Life, here's this principle of indiscriminate versus nuanced in a nutshell. At the beginning of any trajectory, indiscriminate application of principles is the default. It's the way kids develop early in gender schema development, for example. Little kids, three years old, four years old, are indiscriminate in their application of principles. Girls have long hair, boys have short hair, girls wear dresses, boys don't. They say no if you say a boy can wear a dress. They say no, he can't. That's just the way schemas work. They develop indiscriminately and inflexibly at first. For you and your Bright Line Eating journey, likely at the beginning, and this is okay, this is a good thing, you apply the Bright Line Eating principles rigidly and indiscriminately. And that will serve your program. That will serve the healing of your brain. That will serve you. And eventually, you reach a point where um, you start to be more context-specific and more nuanced in how you apply the principles. If you do that too flagrantly and too soon, you likely get into trouble. But eventually it needs to happen. And there's a vlog called Sane Choices that really describes the details of some of the ways that deviating is the right thing to do in certain contexts, and it's nuanced. And all of us believe certain things. And in general adult development, if it proceeds well, is an ever-expanding sense of like, oh, these things I believe, let me hold them loosely and remember that everything's nuanced. That inflexible application of principles um, it reaches its point where it doesn't work anymore. That's the way kids think, and that's um, it's just not the way mature people think. And if you're paying attention through your 30s and 40s, especially 40s and 50s and 60s and beyond, it's an ever-increasing awareness of that. It's all nuanced. <sighs> Thanks for letting me talk so long. If you've watched to the end, thank you. I love you. Thank you for your support. I feel so much support from so many. I really appreciate that. I am super tender these days. And that's okay. Is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? I don't know. It's very nuanced. I'll see you next week.